0: Welcome to Cyber Threat, Real Answers to Real Problems, a new podcast series from ServiceNow. I'm Bob Bragdon, Senior Vice President and Publisher of CSO. I'm joined today by Mike Lyons, Security Transformational Leader at ServiceNow. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're talking about cybercrime. And in particular, we're going to explore a new global survey by Poneman and ServiceNow, which surveyed nearly 3,000 cybersecurity professionals. Mike, let's get into the first topic. I'd like to start with a key staff. In the past two years, 48% of companies have experienced a data breach. What's more, the volume of cyber attacks continues to increase. Now, compounding that cyber threat problem is a shortage of qualified security professionals, but hiring more people isn't necessarily the answer to solving this issue. What do you think about this, Mike?
1: I think this challenge is growing and considerably. Every single day, we hear about a new breach occurring. Just this morning, I was reading about the Facebook issue, where there were more than 50 million users impacted. This is not affecting unsophisticated organizations. This is affecting all different types of organizations. What I think some of the challenges are, the fundamentals are being forgotten. We're focused on some of the more whiz-bang features, as opposed to the tried-and-true methodologies, creating repeatable processes and streamlining those repeatable processes, coming up with ways to be much more effective with our capabilities that we have on staff. The people that we hire today are considerably skilled, but they're bogged down in many of these manual tasks that they have to carry out day in and day
0: out. Many of these tasks can be automated. So if they can't hire more people, should organizations be using technology? And if so, what type of technology are we talking about? I think, first and foremost, there's so many
1: things coming at these folks that are, that are sitting in these seats every single day. They need a way to better prioritize vulnerabilities, incidents, different threats that they have to ensure that they're responding to them effectively. There are very common scoring capabilities like CVSS that are well-known. And these systems are, are in place, and they're there for us to use, but in many cases, we just Answers to the loudest barking dog, and not necessarily to the threat that is most affecting us as a particular business. The other challenge is that IT is in the seat with us. When I interview people for different roles, and they come from an organization that has had a very public breach, um, don't particularly want to name an individual individual organization, but when I'm going through this and I (laughs) see on their resume that they have, in fact, worked at one of these companies... They have a story about where were they when, regardless of the role that they were playing. This person could have been, you know, could have been working in the in the kitchen, in the cafeteria, in the particular business. But hey, I didn't, I wasn't involved. Responsible for patching those particular systems, right? It's it's a challenge for them, and, and you're almost apologetic back to them in that interview process. So what that really means is that these folks take this to heart. So. IT just like security are really starting to pay attention to the impact of security issues in their business and they want to be working at a firm that doesn't make a headline, you know, in a negative in a negative way. And you know, much of this is really is really tied down to that prioritization and that work between both IT and security. There's just not a clear path to share or there wasn't a clear path to share between IT and security. They don't necessarily operate on the same systems. Despite the fact that much of this information that IT has available to them is really valuable to the security side of the house. And much of the security information that they've discovered through their networks through their scanning capabilities is also high value information for IT. Putting those two groups together on the same platform, leveraging that same data set, really will help streamline a lot of these things. The other areas are, you know, there's the baton that needs to get passed between different organizations, right? When you find a vulnerability, you you have a scanning technology, you know, one of these major vulnerability management vendors, they have a scanning technology, they find an issue, but they don't have a really great method to get it over to IT, who in many cases actually does the patching of these systems, right? There's not a lot of firms that have the luxury of being able to just automatically deploy all their patches. There is a process that has to take place. There are changes that have to be you know, signed off on, and there, are, there is an impact to the business, whether the impact is downtime or the impact is you know, sort of un, uh, unknown downtime, right? unpredicted downtime. These things can happen. Making sure that everyone's involved is really going to positively impact there. And conversely, and on, or on the good side, one of the biggest benefits, it's going to make an attacker have to do a
0: whole lot more
1: and have to research a whole lot more to be able to affect your network.
0: So, Mike, what are the implications of not using technology to your advantage here?
1: You know, a a lot of it is that we're using old data. We're working from old data. We are going backwards and forwards in technologies that are not designed to streamline process like email and spreadsheets and Word documents. We're having meetings where we all get together and we argue over which version of the Excel file we're all looking at. I can tell you I've had way more of those meetings uh, than I've ever wanted to, and these these are just absolutely crushing us. There are things that slip through the cracks in terms of that baton handed over, right? If I have a system in my environment that gets infected with a piece of malware, well, I can't remediate the malware from a console or something like that. I have to have someone go and collect that laptop. As a security analyst for many years, I never got up from the desk and ran down to wherever that person was and picked up their laptop and reimaged it or tried to do a manual clean there. That was IT. That was the other extension, Right. In many cases, there are conflicting priorities there. knowing that this is a security issue that needs to get addressed quickly and get addressed effectively, making sure that we don't forget about it is a critical step and so we really need to leverage these you know various technologies that are now coming like ServiceNow, vulnerability response, ServiceNow security incident response, using those technologies to Usher that, usher that work through its process and be sure that it's tracked and we are, in fact, improving over time.
0: How important then is automation becoming? And I'm thinking like in areas such as incident response, vulnerability response, things like that. And, and why is it becoming so important?
1: Well, definitely to the staffing shortages that are out there, right? These are, these are areas where we are going to have to train people and we're always going to need to train people. We're going to want to give them some muscle memory automation is a great technology there are so many ways to, to leverage it automation's not a set it and forget it this is not a you know this is not one of these little rotisserie ovens you can buy late night on television this is something that you're going to have to grow towards and automation to grow towards it there's different ways to approach it so what we've been doing with many of our customers is starting with something like a passive Bit of automation, right? Going in and and discovering information, giving yourself more data about what you're about to work on, and that can be maybe go and run a query on a system to find out what network ports it's it's connected on, what IP addresses are there, are these known to be bad things, right? Many ways these are passive, um, passive but highly impactful. Whenever I would respond to a security, you know, alert or an alarm, and when I was in when I was in my SOC, I would have a series of commands that I would run on a system or a series of tasks that I would execute, right? I'd, maybe I'd do a domain lookup to see if this is a valid domain, an integrity check of some sort. Maybe I'd look at the hash values of certain processes that are running on a particular system. And I would run through that manually. Well, that's that's work that's really ready for automation. That's something that I can do in my environment and not have a negative consequence. Many years ago, you know, myself being a victim here, we thought IPS was going to save the day, right? That was the magic. The magic technology that was going <laughs> to save the day, and we all turned it on, right? It's, you know, you know it's, it's, it's sad. It's funny. Uh, and, and for us, it's like, oh, we remember those days when we turned it on and the network came to a screeching halt and everyone blamed security, and, you know, we became the new department of no, and we moved and we very quickly turned that technology off, right? So you can't just jump into automation, but what you can do is through tried-and-true methods, through repeat uh, occurrences, we can start with things like passive automation, and then we can say, hey, this pattern is something that we're pretty sure, we're like 99% sure, that if we do this immediately after, it stops this particular threat. And that's where you can move to an active way to really break down these barriers that we've had with you know, the lack of adoption of, auto- of automation and move towards a more automated fashion, freeing up time for people to do Know, what they really wanted to do and and when i started in security i didn't want to be an expert at microsoft office right unfortunately i am pretty good at the office suite <laughs> i'd like to go back to researching you know malware reverse engineering malware or researching <laughs> some sort of attack right you know they have these new titles called threat hunters that's a great title it sounds really cool and i want to do that stuff but unfortunately we're filling out a lot of paperwork rather than doing that and this automation will give us that ability to move move towards that
0: yeah, and having a person staring at a painted glass twenty four seven is a recipe for high turnover in any organization.
1: Absolutely. And you know, and, and apathy, right? I come in, oh that's not fun. The reality is a lot of a lot of firms are hiring folks and you know, they're losing them to the more entertaining job down the street. And it's it's more fun. It's these are the, the cool places, right? When I talk to mm-hmm. people right out of university, in many cases they're like, I want to go work at a tech firm because I can shoot nerf guns at each other, right? That's that's kind of cool. But if I said, hey, you're going to have the opportunity to go and do all the cool stuff that's on TV, right, Mr. Robot sort of stuff, that's going to get people in. What's not going to get them in is the reality of going into a meeting where you're all arguing over, you know, why didn't you patch? Well, it wasn't my thing to patch. Well, whose yeah. is it? You just kind of go back and forth.
0: Yeah. Before we continue our conversation, I want to say a few words about our sponsor. Cyber Threat. real answers to real problems. Reports on the latest statistics and news around cybersecurity and is presented by CIO.com in partnership with ServiceNow. To learn more, visit ServiceNow.com. Now back to the show. Mike, let's continue on this theme. What's the role of people in response? You know, I think
1: there are so many roles and, you know, racy models, et cetera, that have been around for a long time. One of the challenges we've had in the technology side of response is that, Okay, well the security folks, there's a thing that happens and the security folks go run into this little war room and they close the door and no one knows what goes on. What's happening now with, you know, the advent of things like GDPR and all these highly publicized breaches is so that people are going to have to come out, open this door, allow other folks to get involved and help with these responses. There are still the technical we don't really know how bad this is yet parts of a response effort, but now firms are dealing with, you know, hey, these this is, a cloud. this is a cloud-based initiative. This is a cloud application that we're consuming. I'm not an expert in this particular technology that we have decided to deploy in my environment, right? These are the security sort of statements that they're making. And legally, I don't know how to respond to this appropriately. Do I need to involve someone from public relations? Do I need other folks within my marketing team to help us understand these things? Do I have to bring in the, the consumer of this technology? Do I have to engage with my end users? If we think about things like the Internet of Things, the OT deployments that are growing and growing in terms of IP connectivity, these are areas where response is becoming more and more particular, and separately, it's becoming more of a collaborative effort. So we have to have a way to operate without falling into the confines of, you know, is this is this the right person for the role? Who is this person? Where do they exist, right? Having a system where we can figure a lot of these out earlier on in our tabletop exercises and not live fire events will absolutely help us really sort of hash out the different roles and how these people
0: help respond. Mm -hmm. So we have time for one last question. What are the key takeaways and learnings for IT and security pros here?
1: Look, we're in this together, IT and security. It is, you know, despite the fact that in many cases there's a sibling rivalry, right? We're in the meeting room and we're, we're trying to get more money for, or funding for some new projects, but we're still kicking each other under the table because that's just the way that we operate. We are together going to have to change the game in methods for responding. Today, it is becoming, it is just compounding and getting a larger and larger issue. Vulnerabilities are being discovered at a rapid rate, vulnerabilities to exploit are down to seconds, uh, minutes in some, you know, minutes and seconds in some cases, and they are becoming much more highly profiled in affecting brands, affecting businesses, and having significant dollar impacts. This is an area where IT and security are going to have to get together work collaboratively in a platform and help really streamline their response to vulnerabilities, to security incidents. That's the only way we're going to go about, about improving this. And these are hygienic things. These are waking up in the morning and brushing your teeth, changing the oil in your car. These are not things you're going to win an award for, but these are things that are going to allow you to keep functioning day-to-day in your life.
0: Thanks, Mike. That was a great discussion. So thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cyber Threat. Real Answers to Real Problems podcast. Be sure to watch for additional episodes by subscribing to the IDG Tech Talk channel on SoundCloud and iTunes. For ServiceNow and CSO, I'm Bob Reichen.